Mike Zapsick from AMC's Comic Book Man, and you're listening to Always Bet on Geek. Wait a minute, didn't Wesley Snipes say that? Didn't Wesley Snipes go to prison? Didn't Wesley Snipes go to prison for tax evasion? Don't bet on black, folks. Bet on geek. Ready to form Voltron! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Always Bet on Geek. Hey, um, if you're hearing my voice, it means I'm back. Last week, ABOG was back full-time in the saddle, but I wasn't there. I was trying to help a friend move, because you got to help out your friends. But I'm back now with the boys, the ABOG boys, and it is good to be back in front of a microphone, podcasting for the people. What he really means is... He has to be there for his female friends. His male friends that wanted him here to record. He couldn't be bothered to be here for the people. <laughs> that is one way to look at it. That is the uh, way to look at it, yes. Another way <laughs> to look at it is the the very apartment Marshall is, in fact, living in now, I helped him move into <laughs> when he needed me to help him move. So, you know... How do you want to look at it? <laughs> How do you want to look at it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> I'll be staying out of that and introducing myself, apparently. Hey, y'all. What's up? It's Mystic Mojo. I'm glad that you all are with us once more. Um, hopefully, all three of us will survive the day's podcast because you know it's a dangerous world out there, and sometimes anybody can turn on you in a moment, even your friends. What's up? <laughs> what the fuck was that? That was Ryan being dramatic. It sounded like a goose call. <laughs> well, goose are killers, man. You ever seen them? They're thugs. They step up on you. They try to. What are you saying? You'd. You'd punch a goose, you ain't afraid? No, I'm saying I'd kick the shit out of a goose if it stepped up. <laughs> um, it's been... Hey, PETA, send all your hate mail <laughs> to squishynosinc at gmail.com. <laughs> it has been so long, I actually forgot how I started off a podcast. So, hi, this is Pat. I'm your friendly neighborhood podcaster, co-host of ABOG down here in the Magnolia State. <laughs> Formerly, formerly known as the Graveyard Shade. <laughs> formerly known as, um, mm-hmm. oh, I was trying to think of a, of a nickname. Now I'm just OMP. OMP. The fuck is that? Old Man Pat. Yeah. Okay. So we're gathered here today. <laughs> Wait. What's up, y'all? I'm Marshall. How y'all doing? There we go. There we go. Welcome to Always Bet on Geek once again. 
we're here on year three and a half now. God, the three-year episode's gonna come like two months before the four-year episode. I can't believe we've been going strong for I don't three know about years. Strong, but we've been going. Like you know, I apologize last episode because most of 2018, the fact that we didn't record on a regular or hardly ever basis is my fault. So 2019's a new year. That means one of us are going to have to throw throw ourselves on our sword if we don't get out no less than 48 podcasts this year. All right. Well, we have a seniority, so good luck with that. Ow. <laughs> Damn, Marsh. <laughs> you, you brought it up. Damn. I'm not killing myself. I'm sorry. Damn, man. <laughs> I've been working too hard on this podcast over the years to just kill myself. Sorry. We'll put me and Pat in one room, whichever one of us can throw ourselves on our sword Two first. Enter one the winner. What man leaves? <laughs> so I guess that means that Pat's Tina Turner in this if, uh, this scenario. Wait, what? And Ryan would be Mel Gibson. No, Ike Turner. I was gonna say, my Ike. This doesn't paint either one of us in a flattering light. <laughs> We're back, guys. We're back. We're back. (laughs) So we're going to go back to 2018 for this episode and say goodbye to our dear friend, Mr. Stan Lee. Stan the Man Lee, co-creator of the Marvel Age of Comics, co-creator of really the modern modern age of comics, the co-creator of the MCU the biggest movie franchise in modern history. Did he really have anything to do with the the MCU though? I mean other than other than creating all the characters and the universe, yeah, yeah, besides that no, I, <laughs> that I guess not. To do with it. <laughs> so right, when was the first time you knew who Stanley was? I feel like I've always known Stanley. Um no, that was a great line. Uh, I can't remember, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I think I was introduced to Stanley without even realizing it. Um, when I grew up, as anybody who has been regular listeners to our ramblings will know, that comics was not something I was exposed to very much as a child. And so, although I knew of Spider-Man and Batman and Superman, because you'd have to be in a coma not to have recognized those three names as a kid, My point being is that uh, I was introduced to him at an age long before I knew who he was, and it wasn't until I was probably near my adulthood where I even recognized the name Stanley as an iconic name, even if I still didn't know all the different creations that he had been a part of. I knew he was the creator of X-Men, and I knew the Fantastic Four. Uh, But other than that, I'd say uh, high school, sometime in those muddled years of youthful adolescence adolescent hell wow okay marsh how about you i don't know i couldn't tell you the first first time or the first age that stanley popped into my radar i've been reading marvel comics and collecting since the fifth grade so I guess around then, somewhere. I can't, I mean, I, I 
he was in you know his picture would be in the back of the Marvel comic or somewhere in the middle on doing some kind of ads on the whatever it was that you used to be able to write into Marvel comics and get a response or sometimes your your letter might be the page printed, the, printed in the, yeah. the books or something and he was always there this the little page yeah in the 80s this old dude with like gray wings in the side of his hair before he went all white he was an old man back then even though he was what in the 70s i guess i guess wow yeah he passed away November 12th, 2018. Uh, how old was he? 95. Not, that's a good run. That's a good run. He he lived long enough to see something he helped to create attain the success he always knew was in them. Because he, cause he Stan went to Hollywood like back in the 70s and the 80s with these characters and nobody they brushed them off that's not like, true they, they had a Captain America movie and a Fantastic Four movie by the silence I guess you probably actually know the movies I'm talking about then <laughs> I, I actually wish y'all could see my face right now oh, we know the face Pat it's okay it's a happy joy joy face part of the reason why they made the Fantastic Four movie was just so the what am I doing? The people who own the um, studios could keep the license from the Fantastic Four. Did you ever see the original Fantastic Four? Um, no. It was pretty god awful. Just like the sadness that was uh, Thor and Daredevil that was in the. Uh... Ah, stop! Stop! Sadness? No. Stop. I saw that when it came out on TV. I recorded that on my VCR when it came out. <laughs> and yes, and yes, at the time I was happy because I knew that that was all we could get. And the fact that I saw Thor and the Hulk fight for at least one scene <laughs> with 80s quote-unquote special effects. <laughs> Is that what you call green makeup? <laughs> special effects? <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant the fact, you know, Thor did throw his hammer, and then the hammer fell to the ground, because it was an actual hammer. <laughs> but, you know. They couldn't even put it on the string or nothing. It's what we had. So, That's I realized, also, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So, this episode will be our love letter to Stanley. We love you, Stan. Sounds good you to me. I like it. And... And even though he's kind of making fun now, I was actually really hurt when I heard that news. <laughs> I can't even, I cannot even front. Like, it popped up on my phone app. And it's like all all the news apps I follow, ping, 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 ping. And those, those, those were some hard pings for me to accept as it was like the Post, the Verge, Slate, um, the New York Times, the Hollywood Reporter, like all popping up. How did he pass away? I'm not seeing it here. He was just old age, mostly. He was having some trouble with. Yeah, he's, uh, he had been having like he had been having health trouble for a while. 
I mean, the man was 95. Well, yeah. But yeah, nothing specific. I was actually surprised that he lived for so long after his wife died. Most people, yeah. when they've, they've been married for that long, don't tend to hold on past when the, when the other one goes to glory. I think they were married like 69 years. I don't know. Either 65 or 69. I forgot to write it down. But it was way long, dude. She was 95 also. I guess that was their year. July 6, 2017. I'm trying to see how long they were married. 69 years, yep. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) My longest relationship was three months. I can't even imagine being married for that long. That's part of your problem right there, man. Wait, All right. That? And with <laughs> that, we're going to go into some facts about Stan Lee that you might not have known about. Um, um, the fact that one time he posed new with a comic book. Um, for Playboy, right? Yeah. Oh, no. no. Yeah. Well, it was Playgirl. Playgirl. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Nowadays, that's a a feather in your cap to be able to say, oh, yeah, I'm so attractive that people pay me to take photos of me naked. But at that time when he did it, it was probably a little too risque for somebody of his, you know, age. And, uh, well, you know, also, like, before the Martin era, nobody really cared of. about comic books except the people who made them and us, like the fans. It says here that Stan Lee did not make a cent from Disney acquiring the company. He, I guess it's called, it'd be considered a severance package. He has a comfortable salary of $1 million per year for life. I think he should also have got in the royalties too. Since none of this would have happened without him and Kirby and Dicko. Yeah, well, he sold the company. What are you going to do? You can still do the right thing. Folks who say it's only business, that's just an excuse so they can, like, keep on being Well, assholes. when it comes to Disney, they are the world. They are the children. They are the ones who make a better way. So let's start living. Who cares whose neck we step on on the way through? M-I-C-K-E-Y. M-O-U-S-E. Wait, I'm not talking bad about Disney. We love Disney. Don't come and kill us. Please. Um, I doubt they even know who the fuck we are. <laughs> That's what One you day. think. Ah, oh, damn! <laughs> you didn't know Ryan worked for Disney this whole time? I am Disney. That would all make sense. All hail Mouse, Mickey. Disney Mouse. Disney Mouse. He talked to me. Well, now that that nonsense is coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Ryan, save us. What's next? Well, I didn't know. I would never have guessed, but Stanley was actually in the army. Yes, um, he fought. Well, I don't know if he fought, but he signed up doing World War Two. Do you think Stanley was a stone cold killer out there in the front line, snapping necks, taking out? I don't know. 
Who would that have been? Nazis? Um, yeah. 1942? I'm not sure about Stan, but I think Jack Kirby was. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think Jack Kirby was a real one. <laughs> I don't know about Jack Kirby, but I've seen him, and you might be right. Stan, however... <laughs> There's the story about about Jack Kirby that always trips me out. So apparently there was this fan back in the 60s who disagreed with a story that Jack Kirby had plotted or something. And the guy was like, you know, one day I'm going to catch you out in the streets or, or whatnot. Anyway, um, this guy actually came up to the office at Marvel and was standing in front of a, a street light. And when people told Jack he was out there, Jack was like, okay. And he put down his cigar, took off his jacket, rolled up his sleeves, and was going down the stairs <laughs> to go deal with this until they held him back. And then this called the cops on the guy. <laughs> so I think Jack Kirby was a real one. <laughs> My appointment with Destiny is here. Excuse me, gentlemen. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> Jeez, man, that is hardcore. Actually, Stanley was um, in the army in 1942, uh, but he actually was a playwright. It was it that was his official title? What he ended up doing was putting together like training manuals and instructional videos and stuff like that. But it was during this time that he came up with his uh, first published hero. Y'all know who it was? No. Oh come on! You mean me, the noob? The comic noobling? Now, I'm, knows. Quite sure, I'm quite sure when you say it, I'll be like, oh, of course. But at the moment, no, I don't. All right, we'll see. His first superhero was called The Destroyer. And he was a Nazi fighting superhero who had also been injected with this super serum and gave him all kind of superpowers like super strength and stuff. However, he wasn't the iconic American Captain America look. In fact, he was much more sinister and had like a skull on his chest and stuff. And he was almost in his, uh, his art style was much closer to what the Hobgoblin ends up looking like. Oh, no, I did not know that whatsoever. So you have actually schooled me on something about Stan Lee, which... I will have to say, not to sound arrogant, is rare. <sighs> You're welcome. Do you know what sign he was? I do not. But wait, wait, let's guess. And I'm the only one that has a chance at this, really? so let me see if I can win this real quick. <laughs> wow, the arrogance is flying all over this room today. <laughs> he says, let me see, let me stall so I can look it up, and then I can take an educated uh, guess. I'd guess he's a Scorpio. No. Okay. All right, Marshall, um, what's that? He was, he was a Capricorn. Huh. Ah. Huh. For some reason, I have a hard time. I guess not seeing it, but I I kind of thought he would he would have been a Gemini. Honestly, I could see that. Now here's a here's a piece of trivia that we all actually know, but he is the only actor to appear in every single Marvel Cinematic movie, even the upcoming Endgame. Yep. I th yep. think they said that he recorded. Five more cam cameos. He's so also in the currently, yeah, the Spider Verse. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that movie's so awesome! 
Um, speaking of that, what has been your favorite Stanley cameo? It doesn't have to be the MCU. Well, I could get major street cred and say the first cameo he ever did. Which was? Clerks. No, that was a cameo. That was that was an actual role, which ah, uh, but he was he was playing himself. Yeah, so it's not a cameo because he he's he's never playing himself in the cameos. He's he's always like just some some random guy. Ah, uh, okay, all right then. But yes, he was invited to that movie because Kevin Smith, as everyone who listens to anything related to comics, would know who he is um and if you're listening kevin love your stuff keep it up but yeah that was the first movie he was in but his first cameo and or no 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 you asked what is his what was my favorite cameo yep i think i'd have to say the um the latest spider-man uh, origin story uh the one where he goes against billy crystal and spider-man's trying to save Stanley is he's a librarian and like all Oh no rules. no no that's that's the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and he's fighting the lizard in the library and stands uh, right. the librarian that is also my favorite cameo it's, it's not the, <laughs> it's it's not the most recent one but for some reason that just seemed so Stanley <laughs> you know just dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this in here Doing my thing. I think it was quite interesting to find out that while Stanley is a very beloved icon of our culture, that he is not universally loved by all people who have dealt no, with him. No, no, there, there are people, and I really am tired of this debate or whatever, that are all, they try to be either Team Stan or Team Kirby, right? It's Pretty much. Yeah. And like that, it actually drives me crazy when people do that because it's, it's actually very easy to see the influence Stan had on the characters and to see the influence Jack had on the characters without having to put them against each other. Like, and... It's easy because you can't compare Jack Kirby's writing when he left Marvel to go to DC to do The Fourth World, where he created the new gods. <laughs> My God, that guy and his creative output is amazing. But if you compare, because when he went to go do The Fourth World over at DC, he wrote and drew everything. I think he even inked it. And you could you can tell the difference in the writing style. Like, Jack's writing style was much more kind of in-your-face and... Uh, it was it was like his art. It was like... It was not stilted, but it was kind of... I don't, I don't know the, the word for it. But Stan's writing... You could tell when Stan Lee was writing a comic, Stan Lee's Spider-Man, no matter who drew him, was still Spider-Man. Because even after Steve Ditko left, 
and stand we get a new artist like John Ramada Sr. or whatever, it was still Spider-Man. And so this belief that, oh, Stan just took credit, but Jack Kirby really did everything for the Fantastic Four of Thor. No, no, no. Stan Lee is the one that came up with Thor speaking in Shakespearean kind of English as only Stan Lee could. Yeah, maybe Jack Kirby, maybe he created the Silver Surfer, but Stan Lee is what gave him the voice of talking kind of noble all the time, and you could tell when the Silver Surfer was talking, if you put him next to a character, even if you were blind, they sounded different. Stan came up with Flame On, and it's clobbering time, and Big Brain, and Stretcho, and having the thing sound like the thing, and the Human Torch sound like the Human Torch. I mean, the whole friendly neighborhood Spider-Man are, are uh, Spider-Man that always cracked jokes. That was Stan. Now, nobody was in the room where it happened, like they say in Hamilton. But you can't deny Stan's fingerprints on all of this. So, I think, anyway, that's that's my take. Do y'all have an opinion? I wasn't even going to bring the negative up on this episode. But I didn't, uh, I didn't read back whenever the king was alive, so I couldn't say for sure. It's all conjecture and opinion at this point, because none of us, you know, were around for the big stuff. So everything I've ever read, everything that I've ever heard is just people's opinions, and that's pretty much all it is. <clears throat> so, Stanley for life, baby. Right? Well, yeah, I agree, actually. I think it is um, really just at this point just a matter of people's opinion. Um, but I, I would imagine from my perspective that they needed each other, that together they made each other great. They filled in each other's, you know, weaknesses that's, and complimented yeah. each other. And that if they hadn't had each other, then we wouldn't have any of it because it was their magic working together. And I think it's actually tragic that you had two titans that both saw things so clearly in one point of view, but couldn't work together and see things clearly in another point of view. Well, uh, and whole... that we could have had even more had there never been such a thing. Well, a whole lot of that was also the company because Stan Lee was a company man. And so it got, whenever you start to mix business with that, there will be hurt feelings, I think. And I think there were hurt feelings on both sides. And there was, there is a story that has been told by multiple different people. So it kind of has the ring of truth where in their later years, both Stan and Jack were trying to make up like, they were both like, yeah, we were kind of, you know, when you're in the middle of the fire, it's hard to see who's going to burn until you are out of the fire and enough time has passed where it's like, geez, like I may have lost a friendship <laughs> over something. Should, but you know, should we throw Ditko's name in this since we're talking about the two? Steve Ditko was who has also passed away. He was an intriguing character. He was, he was, a, he was, um, I'm not quite sure. 
I think, like, this is talking from a fan's point of view, but I think Stan and Jack Kirby were actually friends. I don't think Stan and Steve were ever friends. I think they were people who worked together and they had a difference of opinion where they wanted to take Spider-Man and Steve left and Stan did it. I think Stan and Jack were actually friends who had a falling out. That's kind of my view on it, if that makes sense. I don't know anything about <clears throat> Steve and Stan's uh, relationship. <clears throat> I just know that his name should have at least been thrown in there because he was a pretty influential part of Marvel Comics True, as but, well. But the reason why I say he's a character is he specifically requested his name not to be thrown in there. Like, he hated the spotlight. He was almost a recluse. Like, he just wanted his... my own heart. He wanted, he wanted his work to speak for himself. Like, he, he turned down so many interviews. Like, when the first big Spider-Man movie hit, like, with, um, with Toby and all the others, like, he was really just... He wanted his work to speak for himself, but he didn't want... He didn't really want any of, of a limelight. Wow. It says that uh, Stan Lee's early cameo career was almost cut short by the director of Spider-Man. Sam Raimi was actually against Stan Lee's first cameo in Spider-Man. Oh, Stan Lee, Stan Lee had a cameo in Venom. Yes, he did. I saw that movie. <laughs> I haven't really heard a lot of good things about it. It was a movie that would have been good back in the early pre-MCU because it was the kind of superhero movie that Hollywood used to make but um, in the era of post-MCU I just don't think it really held up it was fun but they made shitloads of money they're making another one well they kind of have to with the whole ending scene that they <laughs> that they set up with well, how about you spoil me because I probably will never see that movie well you're that the only one here Huh. That's true. I am still here, listening and learning. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's. I found myself very impressed. Like, I knew some of Stanley's lives, but uh, learning more about him so that I could, you know, come to this podcast with some information really showed more of what a man and a, 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 a you know, of rises and falls and trials and tribulations that he had to go through. Um, in order to be who he is, which at this point we basically idolize him as, you know, this marvelous creator. Hot, um, nice, nice, Ryan, right, nice. Thank you, appreciate it. Um, yet, truth of the matter is, is like, you know, he loved deeply, um, you know, he fought deeply, he, you know, he, he was a creator, he made mistakes, there's, he's, you know, he tried different companies after he was in Marvel when he was on his own and they didn't all come out very successful but he just kept going eventually settled down and made uh, POW Entertainment his last franchise POW go belly up as far as I know it's still still around but but it's still there which one did he start that uh, went bankrupt that one was um, it was in like the 80s early 90s it was uh, Stanley Media right. Company in 1998 well that far back I thought it was earlier than that 
And I know that Marvel almost went belly up a couple times, and that's why he sold the rights to... Oh, almost. No, Marvel was at the edge. They were at the razor's edge in the late 90s. And the only thing that saved them was giving up Spider-Man and the X-Men. And then those movies being a hit. If those two movies had not been a hit... It is a very real possibility Marvel Comics would not exist right now. That's so weird to think. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, one of the things that really inspired me about Stan, that continues to inspire me whenever I think not doing enough, is that he created the Fantastic Four when he was nineteen, when he was in his forties, he created Spider Man when he was like forty two. So he didn't become Stan the Man Lee. He didn't. He didn't co-create the Marvel universe until he was in his forties. So, so not for me yet. Yeah. So that kind of inspires me too. Like, well, if Stan can do it, I mean, I mean, because he was about to quit comics before that. And then his wife was like, listen, if you're going to quit anyway, how about you write one comic your way? And if it, and if it fails, then whatever. You're going to quit anyway, and right? created the Fantastic succeeds. Yep. Co-created, I always like to say, because Jack Kirby was an indispensable part of that. Do y'all have a, a favorite Stanley story? Man, at this point, I'm not even sure what's the stories that I like, what's Stan Lee and what's not. I mean, I wasn't really reading back in the day. Um, who created Silver Surfer? Like, I should actually know this. Um, it was a... It was um, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So some of the earlier Stan... Uh, uh, Silver Surfer stories, the origin story, stuff like that. I really, really dug those issues of Fantastic Four. Because the whole, I love the heralds and the whole cosmic everything and all that stuff. So, how about you, Ryan? I know you weren't really a comic reader. No, not when it came out, but uh, years later, I found a voracious appetite for it and ended up reading a lot of different stuff um, by Stanley. I'd have to say, I think I really enjoyed the early X Men. Uh, Really? Not okay. as much as the original X-Men, but like right after that original period, maybe after the first decade when they started to, um, you know, modernize a little bit. And, um, well, you know, when they, when that happened, that was the stand that was, um, Chris Claremont and Dave Cock and Dave, um, yeah, I was going to say, what, what X-Men team are you talking about? Because that can that can help us narrow. Well, because I know he created the original X Men team, but after that, there's been so many I can't be sure who went into what. But uh, well, um, if it if it helps, Stan co-created the original five: Cyclops, Jean Grey, Angel, Beast, Iceman, Professor Xavier. He was ape at first, and he also co-created Magneto. So yes, I would say that um, that. That form of X-Men had a very child, almost like a teen coming of age story to it that I think was uh, easy to identify. Um, so 
I feel like my younger self would have really liked those that first generation. That's why, that's why I really liked X Factor when it came out, the original team, because X Factor was the original five. Yeah, they just had to butcher uh, the character of Scott <laughs> to make it work. Well, you know, that's what you got to do sometimes. So, what else do we have to say about the icon? Well, are there any lessons or parables that you think you've taken away from Stanley's work? I want to. I want us to sit back and realize the scope of his achievement for the modern age of entertainment and fiction. I mean, most people when they create something of on on this scale are already long dead. Most don't get to see the long arc of their life and career pan out. And I really do think we need to give Stan credit for co-creating an entirely new mythology. Like, there were times when I was younger, and if I'm honest, still are, that I know more about Marvel world history than real world history. (laughs) Like, this is when the Celestials came to Earth to lay the seeds for, like, the rise of man and the fall of the deviants and the creation of the Eternals. This is when they made the moon so the Watcher could always watch the Earth like this, you know, their special little experiment. Like, uh, at this point in history, this is when Magneto, you know, went to the death camps with the Nazis. Ah, this point in history is when Reed and the gang went to the stars and started the current Marvel Age of Cups. Like, I know... I know so much Marvel mythology, I could probably teach a class on it. That's what we can do. Anybody who really wants to know about the Marvel Universe, who's too lazy for Google, Pat, we will get a group together. $5 a head, and you can teach them everything there is to know about Marvel. Just call me Professor X, baby. Uh, I think they would call you. Professor Pat. I was thinking that too. <laughs> Professor P, maybe. Professor P at best, yes. P. But, but just think like... P-double? What is the difference between that mythology and the mythology that we learned about in school, like the Olympian gods or the Asgardian gods or any of it, any mythology, when you get down to it, they're all just stories stories that other people have told other people that had an impact on them that continued. And if that is the definition of a mythology, then Stan Lee has co-created a modern mythology. That's true. With their own gods and titans and heroes and the ordinary man telling a long story about morality, honestly. The fact that there is evil in the world and as long as good people stand against that evil, evil will eventually be crushed, which is the pretty much moral arc of the story. He started with Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all the rest of the founding fathers of Marvel Comics. And with great power comes great responsibility. Which everybody knows. Most people don't know a single quote like that. Like, you really hit an epic level when people can hear that line on any TV show in any scenario and go, oh, 
Stan Lee and our Spider-Man and our Uncle Ben. <laughs> that is true. That is, um, that is something amazing when you can resonate something. Is that another uh, pun? When you're writing, one of the things they tell you to do is to only put down the words that are truthful. And usually the less words you use, the more truthful something can be. And so the secret is to try to distill the essence of your idea or your message down to as few words as possible that still capture the purest truth behind it. And I think that that particular phrase is one that we as humans can identify with and still realize that we need to learn the meaning behind that. I also agree. And plus, think about this. How solid, but still bendy, the Marvel world is. Because they, like Stan and Jack and Steven, the rest of the, the folks, laid down the foundation. Really, the first hundred issues of the Fantastic Four is the core foundation of the Marvel Universe. But it's so solid but flexible that you've had hundreds and hundreds of creators play in this sandbox, adding their own toys, removing some toys, and it's still there. Do you know how, I guess, do you know how unique of a world comics are, both Marvel and DC, that you could have an entire fictional world that hundreds of other people can come and play in, add the ideas, rearrange some of the old ideas, but the core of those worlds are still there, and you can still expand it or contract it, but it's still there. It's an amazing feat of storytelling, and they do it month after month, which is why I love comics, <laughs> pretty much. Long story short. <laughs> But the Marvel comic couldn't have existed without Stan and Jack and Steve and all the rest. It it just wouldn't. Uh, a comic book world that's interconnected where you could be reading an issue of the Fantastic Four and you can look in the background and see Thor fly by for no reason. This, he's just in the background flying by <laughs> because Stan established that all of the heroes existed in this world, in this New York. You could be reading an issue of Spider-Man and there goes the Human Torch. That is pretty cool, actually. It gives a sense of continuity and it pulls you into a world that you can you can allow yourself to be completely immersed in without having to give up anything because, you know, that's one of the flaws of a lot of stories that you may love characters in but if they're in different universes you're always having to choose one place or the other to be in right and like i mean that's how i discovered the avengers because one of my favorite characters is thor and then i'm looking through my dad's old comics and i see thor on a cover of a of a comic that is a thor but there was thor and you know captain america and iron man 
and I think the Vision and the Scarlet Witch. And I'm like, who are these characters? And it's like, oh, the Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. And then I thought to myself, those these guys must be pretty mighty if they're on the same team as Thor, because Thor is Buck. <laughs> and so that got me into the Avengers. And then doing the Avengers, they could have a crossover with like the X-Men. Like, who are these characters? The X-Men, they must be pretty tough to, to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Avengers. I, mean, I better check them out. And then it's kind of like, it pulls you in. One title can pull you into an interconnected world. And that's just amazing. And before Stan Lee and the rest of the Founding Fathers at Marvel did that, comics didn't used to do that. Well, that was one of the things that made Fantastic Four so amazing is that it was a it was a comic about a group of people, not just a single individual hero. And on top of that, they were people that were written specifically for teens, which was an untapped demographic at the time because when it first came out, uh, pretty much only young children watched uh, read comic books. And they were mostly just kind of your basic cartoonish style, you know, work. But Stan Funny books. and... Um, Funny books, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stan and Kirby came together and they started writing these characters in such a way that they had flaws and they would have arguments with each other and they'd be in relationships and they would you know have conflicts that weren't just about battle and they were having to deal with it and that was a brand new concept at the time right and it's the first time a superhero had to be concerned with money because if you looked at dc None of those heroes ever had to hurt for money. They all had nice houses, nice apartments, good job. Some were rich, whatever. But, I mean, (laughs) Spider-Man was a broke teenager, (laughs) right? Always just trying to make a buck just so he could help support his aunt and have enough money to buy the stuff he needed to make his well fluid. I mean... There was an issue of the early run of the Fantastic Four where they went bankrupt. Reed had lost all their money playing the stock market. <laughs> and they went flat broke. And they had to sell the Baxter building. They had to move out. And they all had to get real jobs. Because <laughs> they, they had lost all their money in the stock market. <laughs> Damn. Right. I mean, it's... Well, and that's funny because... Um, which I don't know if you're aware of this, but I feel that when Stan wrote that, he was pulling from his personal experiences because his father actually lost his job during the Great Depression. Ah, I know. I did not know that. Yeah, and so one of the things that Stan accredits the lessons that he grew up as a child was uh, appreciating, appreciating the benefit of having a job and actually being able to work and it helped develop a strong work ethic, work ethic for him that served him well throughout his whole life. I kind of wonder just how many, how how much the Great Depression affected people of that generation, because it was it had to be hella traumatic. 
was called the Depression for a reason. But Stanley's different. Stanley's the man. 95 years of history. Everything we know and love is based and started with Stanley. Yeah. Wow. What a legacy. <laughs> I mean, what a legacy. Well, I'm glad he's touched all our lives. He's definitely brought some amazing stories to my world and shared some pretty deep lessons and inspired me with, you know, victory over evil in many, many of his stories. So I appreciate it, Stan. Thanks for everything. I'll continue to enjoy your work for years to come. And to all these people that I'm actually seeing over here, since I'm looking at the phone and looking online, that are like, I'm glad that he's dead and shit. If I ever see y'all on the street, I'm going to give y'all a brutal ass whooping. It'll be clobbering time. Folks, all, there's always some people that just want to say the most provocative thing to get a rise. And they so. will get all five and ten of these provocative ass <laughs> knuckles. <laughs> Um, the opinions of Marshall does not reflect the opinions of <laughs> Always Been on Geek <laughs> Incorporated. But um yeah, um but so it's just I'm not a valid person, I will say to the folks saying that go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Thank you, good night. So you can find us on Twitter <laughs> and Facebook and YouTube. And Instagram and everywhere at Always Bet on Geek. NewPodWorldOrder.com. Check us out. I think that means SoundCloud too. Um, that's pretty much it for Marshall. See y'all next week. Stay tuned. True believers. Excelsior. Right. Anything else b- before we sign off? Nope, it's definitely been one of our more somber episodes, but all in all, I'm happy to be able to celebrate the life of a man who brought a lot of good to this world. And I guess with that, the only thing we can say with that is, enough said. Excelsior! And we out. Always bet on geek. Stan the man. Lee. And with great power comes great responsibility. Hi, heroes. This is Stan Lee coming at you. Just want you to know Marvel has always been and always will be a reflection of the world right outside our window. That world may change and evolve, but the one thing that will never change is the way we tell our stories of heroism. Those stories have room for everyone, regardless of their race, gender, religion, or color of their skin. The only things we don't have room for are hatred, intolerance, and bigotry. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. And that kid walking by, hey, who knows? He may have the proportionate strength of a spider. We're all part of one big family. 
the human family, and we all come together in the body of Marvel. And you, you're part of that family. You're part of the Marvel universe that moves ever upward and onward to greater glory. In other words, Excelsior. And I figured I'm gonna tell you how Spider-Man came into being. It's, it's a true story, although sometimes it's hard even for me to believe it. But um, we had already done the Fantastic Four and I think maybe the X-Men, I can't remember the order, but my publisher came to me and he said, Stan, I want you to come up with another superhero. So I said, okay, and I went home and when my publisher said do something, I'd better do it because I wanted to keep my job. I thought, what can I come up with now? And the most important thing in a superhero at first is the superpower. Once you get that, everything else comes along. So I thought, what power will I give a new guy? And I saw a fly crawling on the wall. And I said, hey, if I could get a superhero that could stick to walls and crawl on them, man, that would be cool. And no, I'm lying to you. I don't think the word cool was in use then. I, prob I probably said it'll be groovy. <laughs> I'll never lie to you. So I thought that was good. Now I needed a name. So I said, well, let's see. Fly Man, Mosquito Man. I got down to Spider Man. Spider Man. It just sounded dramatic. So okay, I had my hero. I had his power, his name. And then I figured, just for fun, I'm gonna give him personal problems. Because, except for you people who are per that your lives are perfect, but most other people have personal problems. <laughs> and I, then I thought I'd make him a teenager, because there were no teenage superheroes that I knew of at the time. So armed with all that wonderful material, those great ideas, I ran into my publisher's office and I told him, this was my reaction, the reaction he gave me. Stan, that is the worst idea I have ever heard. <laughs> First of all, and he started to give me his, because he's a very logical man, very intellectual. First of all, people hate spiders, so you can't call a hero Spider-Man. You want him to be a teenager? Teenagers can only be sidekicks and you want him to have personal problems, Stan, don't you know what a superhero is? They don't have personal problems. Well, I left the office disappointed, but obviously a much wiser man. <laughs> and I couldn't get Spider-Man out of my system. So we were about to kill a magazine. I think it was called Amazing Fantasy. It wasn't selling well, and. We were sending the last issue to press. When you do the last issue of a magazine, nobody cares what you put in it because the book is dying. Just to get it out of my system, I put Spider-Man in Amazing Fantasy, feature him on the cover, forgot about it. A month later, all the sales figures came in. My publisher came racing into my office. Stan, Stan! You remember that character we both loved so much, Spider-Man? 
let's do them as a series. Now, why am I telling you this? Besides the fact that I have to kill a little time. If you have an idea that you genuinely think is good, don't let some idiot talk you out of it. That doesn't mean that every wild notion you come up with is going to be genius. But if there is something that you feel is good, something you want to do, something that means something to you, try to do it. Because I think you can only do your best work if you're doing what you want to do and if you're doing it the way you think it should be done. And if you can take pride in it after you've done it, no matter what it is, if you can look at it and say, I did that and I think it's pretty damn good, that's a great feeling. So don't let idiots <laughs> talk you out of something that you think is good. By the same token, that doesn't mean every single thing you think is, gonna, is good is gonna be, win a prize. Gotta have a little judgment there. <laughs>